welcome to the Passionate DJ Podcast, where it's all about becoming a better DJ through passion and purpose. And now, your host, David Michael. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Passionate DJ Podcast. I'm David Michael, your host, and with me is Trip Turlington. Yo! How you doing, buddy? I'm doing all right. Doing awesome. good, doing good. I would like to talk still a little... missing Tony, though. We are still missing Tony. <laughs> yeah. That guy just out doing whatever he wants, I hanging know, out with big names. Fist, festival seasons and yeah. all that. He'll be back. Yes. You know, I had somebody ask me, I was at a show yesterday, and somebody asked me, like, is Tony still on your show? I haven't heard from him for a while. I'm like, yeah, we, I'm like, we had four or five episodes without Trip. We've got four or five episodes without Tony, you know. It's hard to work in all these kind of schedules, you know. Oh, yeah, got for sure. Three, three grown men trying to get together at the same time to record with all our own responsibilities. That's right. So That's we just, right. We keep on going, and, and whichever you guys can make it is cool. And I just, he goes, I just really... You know, like you and Trip are great, and you and Tony are great, and he's like, but when the three of you are together, there's just a cool conversation and synergy. And yeah, so, yeah, I I absolutely agree with that. Yeah, so sure. we miss you, Tony. Come on back. Hurry, we'll see you soon. <laughs> <laughs> now I want to talk about some things that can really ruin your night when it comes to playing a show. Maybe you know, empty sh- rooms. Empty, well, empty rooms. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> Speakers um, exploding. Speakers, well, equipment <laughs> failure, definitely. Um, missing equipment or missing an important cable adapter. Sure. Um, if you are the kind of person that likes to t- really get in and tweak your software and stuff, you know, custom mapping disasters that happen at the last mm-hmm, moment. Mm-hmm. Um, a software update that ran on your laptop that you weren't aware of and now it's holding you up or it's changed something. Thanks, Obama. Uh, th- <laughs> Thanks, Obama. <laughs> Thanks, Roland. That's what I'm saying from now on. Um, miscommunications as well. So, uh, you know, with a promoter or the venue not knowing your time slot or being mistaken as to what that was or somebody else not knowing their time slot. Yeah. Um, or even just being in the way when you're trying to exit the booth and take all your equipment. All these things are uh, things which could be better handled if we take some time to kind of prepare for them. So today we're going to talk about gig preparedness. Proper preparation prevents poor performance. Whoa. Whoa. Nice alliteration. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not sure where that was brainwashed into my my psyche, but apparently it happened somewhere. Nice, nice. (laughs) Because that's all that was going through my head as you were, no, no, you could, you could, you could. Prepare for that. No, wait. You can you can you can head that off. If you just if you just yes. Well, you you're already in the right headspace because that's right. a, that's exactly what we're going to talk about. Is just taking a few moments, you know, the day of and the day before and that kind of thing to make sure that all our ducks in a row. You know, we talked last episode about set preparation and and playlists and that kind of thing. And we're not necessarily talking about all that as far as making sure everything is perfectly structured the way you want to play it, but just making sure that the night itself goes smoothly. Sure. Uh, Before we dig into that, we have a voicemail from Nick. Hi, guys. My name is Nick. I'm from the Nashville, Tennessee area. I'm an inspiring new DJ. I want to be able to play for myself, maybe play for my friends. And uh, I've got a controller on the way i'm not quite sure what software i want to run yet but i've been using the free version of virtual dj on my pc and i quickly realized that i don't actually own any music to speak of i've got a couple albums that i bought in the past and uh 
that doesn't quite cut it so far as what I'm going to need. So I was wondering if you guys had any advice on new DJs that are wanting to fill their crate with stuff to play. I know you can subscribe to the rental or lease services from Soretto and Virtual DJ. I don't know if it's available from Tractor, but um, other than that, I've looked to find bundled MP3s, maybe old stuff for, for cheap. Um, this is not something that I'm looking to spend several hundred dollars on music just to, to play around with this stuff um, so I was wondering if you had any advice uh, for someone who's you know brand new and doesn't really have anything to play out okay Nick uh, thanks so much for that voicemail and uh, Nick's been emailing into the show back and forth a little bit and he's a big supporter so thanks a lot and we Very appreciate cool. you um, so the first thing that pops into my head uh, as as you're talking is okay what what kind, quote unquote, of DJing are you wanting to do here? Right. Uh, so, are you are you thinking, you know, this kind of club and festival thing that Trip and I and Tony all talk about frequently, um, as far as the more underground or dance music or ravey stuff, or are you talking about uh, a situation where you're going to play popular music, you're going to take requests, um, and all that kind of stuff? Because that's going to greatly change my answer right you know? right absolutely um, if you're going to be playing known music you know or you know if you're a hip-hop dj or you're you know i there's not enough information i don't know if you're wanting to learn how to scratch or to beat mix or what what the approach is here right um so i don't have a lot of experience with dj pools i don't know if you do um not in recent memory okay like, like uh, i was uh, a member of a dj pool um 15 years ago, something like that, where the basic idea was, you know, you paid a little bit of money into uh, a pool and then um, they would send you white labels. They wouldn't tell you who it was or what it was. And then uh, you would send back a feedback form, gotcha. um, you know, that just kind of went back to, you know, A&R or okay. maybe even the artist. I'm not sure. But um, and then sometimes, you know, you would see that track you know, with a full sleeve on the, yeah. <laughs> on, on the, the record store wall, you know, a month or two later, you know, that sort of thing. But, um, you know, digital music has vastly changed the music industry. So like I yeah. haven't actually seen a white label other than my own in years. So yeah. um, I'm not sure exactly how all the pools work these days. So I tend to think that the future of that kind of model is in streaming. Mm -hmm. And I know a lot of people are, <laughs> not happy with me saying that, but right, I, right. I think that's really where that's going to be. Um, it's already kind of there. Right. So especially if you're like, I want to play out at a bar, or I want to play at parties where people are going to ask requests, or I'm just I'm going to play that kind of music, popular music, right. known stuff. Right. Um, I know if that were the situation for me, that I would be looking into a streaming service like Spotify or something like Pulse Locker. Right. Um, That's what I was going to say. Is yeah, Pulse to be Locker able to do that him. because then you're paying nine to twenty dollars a month, and you have access to everything that's in that catalog. Right. And you know the word streaming tends to to kind of catch people's attention in a negative way, but um, you know if you if you do it right and you pay for the the proper tier of service you're able to save whatever tracks to your local library and play right. them. So it's not like you're not actually streaming them, even though it's called a streaming service. Right, right. You're downloading it to your machine and you're using it just as you would any other MP3 because that's all it is. Right. 
Um, <clears> it was actually uh, that, that kind of um, calls back to the old Zune model okay. uh, that Microsoft had. Uh, they caught a lot of flack for it, and it eventually fell apart. Um, you know, in the in the wake of the whole iTunes and uh, iPod era. But um, you know, I, me not being a big fan of Apple, I was a huge fan of the Zune, and and I I had that subscription service, and I loved it. Yeah. Um. So yeah, for to your point, for if you what you want is access to everything, you know, the ten bucks a month might actually be worth it since that gets you everything the only downside is that you what is it that you you have to be connected to the internet right in order to be able to play those things or to, to pull them down right so if, if the question is how do i get music to get started with and learn how to dj yeah and you want a large catalog to choose from that might be a really great way to do it because right. then you're like okay i'm paying 10 bucks a month i'm not leaving my bedroom right. with it so it doesn't really matter what the the internet quality is like i don't have to worry about having wi-fi out at a gig somewhere exactly so i'm i'm kind of already all in on streaming when it comes to just consuming music sure um, you know i've and i i use spotify and i use it in that way so uh, for different reasons, uh, you know, I don't want to be using up my data plan. I don't have unlimited data, so I download everything on Wi-Fi that I listen to most frequently in the car and that kind of stuff. Other than that, I use Spotify everywhere except for DJing. Yeah, yeah. and that's mostly it's, well, it's for two reasons. One is because I'm a Tractor user, and as far as I know, there's no Spotify integration or anything like that yet for right. Tractor. Um, and the other is uh, because I'm not really playing stuff that would necessarily be on Spotify's catalog. Right. Okay. Spotify's catalog is great and there's a lot of really eclectic and off the wall stuff on there, don't get me wrong. Right, but right. I I don't limit myself to that because Trip I Turlington I, is on there as yeah, a absolutely. Fact. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Look him <'em> up. <laughs> shameless plug, shameless plug. <laughs> um so yeah it's uh that that's kind of if I just wanted an instant pool of music to start with right now, I've got to say streaming. Yeah. If if what you're looking for, though, you know, let's let's say um, that um, he wanted to go a more traditional route and say, okay, I'm not going to be playing, you know, Rob Bass and Easy Rocks. It takes two and Funky Cold Medina, and you know, it, you know, I'm not going to be playing anything that's popular or that would be readily available from, say, a Spotify or a Pulse Lock or that sort of thing. Um, and what you're looking to do is actually own some music. And mm-hmm. by own, I mean just have possession of the digital MP3 on a hard drive that you can use, you know, at will in whatever software you choose. Um, there's there's a, a myriad of ways. And, you know, honestly, this is a great voicemail because this could probably – uh, end up being a great episode to uh, to put in the queue at some yeah, point. Yeah, for sure. Um, but just my my first thoughts um, are, you know, if you've got the time, do some digging. The internet's a huge place when it comes to um, uh, sources of music. Now, I, I will I will say um, up front that some people might take that as me advocating for online piracy, and that is absolutely not what I'm talking about at all. But there is free music out there. Yeah. Um, if you take people like Pretty Lights, they give away everything that they do. You can go to their SoundCloud, you can go to their websites, and just 
download their entire catalogs. Mm. And the ones that don't do that, I mean, most of them will release, especially if they are involved, you know, if if DJs are a big part of their audience. Right. They release a lot of free tracks yep. on SoundCloud yeah, or, exactly. you know, get them from SoundCloud while you still can get free stuff from SoundCloud. Exactly, <laughs> exactly where I was going with that, you know. It, it takes some time to sift through, but you can go to SoundCloud and you can type in a genre that, that, you know, so if you're into, you know, Tropical House, you know, type in Tropical House and then scroll through, you know, everything that comes up for that genre. And anytime you see the download link, download it. You know, I mean, it's yeah. it's there and it's yours um, to, to use as you see fit. Um uh, a little bit more work involved, but then there's also blogs. I mean, there's a bunch yeah. of like, you know, people like you and me that, you know, while we're doing this podcast, you know, there's others that specifically hone in, you know, on music. On music itself, so instead yeah. of, you know, the, the art of the DJing, you know, they focus in on on the hottest new artists and, and who's giving away music. And a lot of times you can get some free promos out of that just by scouring those blogs and, and you know, DJs and, and uh, producers are giving away music that way. Now, this might border along the lines of, of piracy, but, you know, back in the day when I first started, you know, I started out on vinyl and, you know, vinyl records back then were anywhere from 10 to 15 bucks for a, a single 12 inch, depending on whether it was U.S. or or, uh, or an import. And, um, you know, it, that that got expensive really quick. You right. know, if you're talking, you know, 120 bucks for 10 records to make up one set, you know, that, that got <laughs> expensive, you know. So, uh, you know, we've talked about how, uh, you know, digital DJing has, or digital music has changed the face of, of the music industry. And that's definitely in one way that it's, it's been a positive is that music is now a lot more accessible and a lot cheaper. Um, but you know, to, to Nick's point, you know, he doesn't want to spend a bunch of money, you know, so maybe scour Beatport or, or Juno or, or, or iTunes uh, yeah, or, or wherever. wherever you're getting your music. Um, and only buy the ones that you really like. And we've touched on that before too. Instead of buying more music, buy less music and make that less music better. But um, Yeah, because we don't generally encourage go out and buy a big bulk crap load of music all at once. Right. Um, because that that's just intimidating, right? To, exactly. If, you, if somebody You'll hands you... You'll never get through it all. <laughs> yeah, I, I've heard, you know, I've been at gigs and people are like, man, I got all kinds of new stuff to play. Like my buddy came over with his one terabyte hard drive and I come up with over like 350 gigs of music and I'm going to try some of it out. I'm like, how? What? <laughs> right. Are you well, just randomly picking or what? You know right. what I mean? So it, it just becomes intimidating. Exactly. So I was going that direction, but, uh, you know, instead of, you know, finding a buddy that may already be DJing and instead of asking him for, you know, 300 gigs of music, you know, turn it into a jam session and just say, hey, bring over your laptop, I'll bring my laptop and then, you know, swap some tracks, you know. Now, granted, you know, are you paying for those tracks that you're swapping back and forth? No, not really. But that's what us vinyl DJs did back in those days. You know, I would have, you know, doubles of something or, you know, I may have some tracks that, you know, I just wasn't playing anymore and somebody else was going to make use of them. But then they offered me a couple of records in exchange. You know, that's, you know, to me, you know, maybe legally there's some gray area there. But to me, there's really not much difference in that context. Yeah. Um so, you know, 
if you've got some friends that are already DJing and, and you like the stuff that they're playing, you know, ask them if there's, you know, maybe it might not be a direct exchange. It might be, you discover some stuff and then you kind of know where to look. Right, right, right. You know, you know, and just, you know, Hey, 10, 20 tracks at a time, you know, Hey, you know, just give me a small subset, give me something to just play around with and and see if I like it. Yeah. And the, the other thing is too, when you, when it does come to buying actual, actual music, um, making sure that, you know, we talk about the the small tip is, you know, let that stuff sit in your cart for a day or two or yeah. a week yeah. and then come back to it because then you're more choosy about what you're actually buying. Absolutely. Yeah, so just it, it pays to have that patience sometimes. Absolutely. Uh, so you might pick out 50 tracks that you like and come back and be like, you know, really only like 15 of these are like the one. The one, right, yeah. So I get mean, rid my, of the rest of it and then keep going. <laughs> my wife, my I mentioned uh, on one of our earlier episodes and my wife was like, quarterly? Yeah, <laughs> she she's, she said quarterly. You you buy tracks quarterly. That's good to know. And I said, <laughs> but I do that. And and when I you know when we talked about it, you know, or you know, she asked me, you know, why I did that. And I said, um, you know, because exactly for that reason, it allows me to let stuff sit and marinate for a while. And when I come back to it, one, if it's a brand new track in three months it most likely has gone down in price by at least a dollar, you know, so there's a dollar. If you multiply that by 10 or 20, you know, that's 20 or 30 bucks, you know, so I may be saving, you know, some money there. Um, then when Beatport puts out their, you know, their coupons and, and their, their coupon codes and stuff like that, uh, then I save, you know, another 10, 15, sometimes 20%, you know, so I, I do that very methodically, Am I always playing the hottest, newest stuff? No, but I'm okay with that, you know, because it it for, you know, it allows me to not just control my budget, but it also allows me to be very choosy and only pick those tracks that I really think are worth it. And we can get away with that because we're not the type of DJ who who plays the latest, greatest tracks for its own sake. Oh, yeah. No, I'll still pull out stuff from 2000, 2005, 2008. Yeah. If you need access to this came out this week and and I need to play it this week, that's a different situation, obviously. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, it never hurts to you know if like you said, if you buy a, a bulk purchase of music like that, if you know just through the standard digital store and you're buying a cart of it, you know, try a quick Google search. You know, type Beatport uh, uh, coupon code or yep. iTunes or whatever whatever store it is. Do you know coupon codes or something, right. and just see if there's anything out there. There are sites dedicated to yeah. you know providing those. So and uh, one last one, um, like I said before, we turn it into an entire episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, check out like these. I, I call them sister labels. Mm. Um, or sibling labels or parent child labels. Um, so like a lot of times you'll have, and uh, you'll have these like big labels that have all of these big artists, but then they'll have like these smaller labels. Yeah. Uh, one that comes to mind is like hospital records is like this big, like drum and bass label in the UK. But then they also have this smaller label, um, that's dedicated to, um, your up and comers mm-hmm. or your more amateur producers that are like starting to, you know, break out called med school. Um, now there's a bunch of them that are kind of like that and, yeah. and I'm not going to go through the whole list, but sometimes if you find those relationships between a parent label and a smaller label, the smaller label 
is really good about giving away a bunch of free stuff just okay. to keep that interest generated nice. and to help you know promote newer artists and newer producers and stuff like that. So a that's lot a of great tip. I never thought of bring, about bringing that up. Yeah, it, it, that's that's a really good spot to um, to find you know new upcoming music that's not necessarily trending on the top ten at Beatport and whatever genre. Okay, great. Yeah. So thanks so much for that voicemail, Nick. We really appreciate that. Absolutely. And for all and the thanks support. for support. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Hopefully that was helpful for you. And uh, yeah, keep at it, man. We'd love to know uh, what you end up doing. And yeah, and keep us keep us informed of your uh, or keep us up to date on your on your progress. Yeah, for sure. So as far as gig preparedness, so we're talking about you know here at the end of, of Nick's voicemail, we're talking about the the, the music shopping aspect. Um, I recommend on we're going to start at the day before a gig. Okay. okay. I recommend if you have to do any last minute shopping, which we all tend to do, I think before a gig, <laughs> like oh, I gotta see what's out there in the last moment. Um, finish that the day before. Yep. Don't do it the day of because then you are definitely going to have an emotional response to some track that you think is great, and you're going to get it, you're going to buy it, you're going to pull it down. I don't know how many times I've done. I'm notoriously oh, yeah. guilty for this, where I'll download stuff the day of, and then even like. Two hours later, when I'm done shopping, I go back and listen to it. I'm like, "Why did I buy that? <laughs> Why did I do that?" <laughs> I, and I don't. And I keep doing. I've done it for years, and I, I have tracks that I've never played that I've bought yeah. that way. Yeah. yeah so, yep. uh, another you know tip for Nick there. Yeah, it's right? not <laughs> necessarily the best approach. Uh, so yeah, try to do your music shopping and your prep as well uh, the day before if it's not already done because that's something that. I have a bad habit of doing the day of, and it's just stressful. It really is. Like trying to make sure that everything's in order from a music perspective. I much prefer to have those kind of technicalities out of the way, um, such as building a my must playlist right. for that night, you know, or my um, you know things that I'm just my general prep playlist for for that particular set. Um, you know, I'm pretty sure I'm going to play at least these 10 tracks plus some other stuff. So I'll put those in a playlist. I don't want to be deciding that the day of, I'd rather decide that the day before and then not really strictly follow it the next day so that I can kind of pivot because there's going to be a different context when you get there. Yep. Absolutely. Um, the other thing to do the day before a good idea is to verify your details with, (laughs) The promoter or whoever's hired you. Okay, <laughs> don't rely on your memory for details right. of a gig that you booked like three weeks ago uh, or, or three two months, months ago. ago. Or, exactly. Yeah. Uh, look it up, even if you're sure, and ask if you're not. Yep. Because that's, I mean, it, that's the worst. I mean, just showing up. All right, you tell all your buddies, I start at 11, and then you show up, and then you're like, no, we put you on at 1 (laughs) o'clock. That messes everything up because everybody, you know, people might have come out to see you that couldn't stay late, um, you know, that kind of stuff. And then it also is jarring for you because you're like, whoa, I thought I was playing before the headliner. I'm playing after the headliner. That changes everything. And so now you're suddenly kind of, you know, thrown for a loop. Yeah. Uh, so verifying those details is uh, is super helpful. The gear requirements. So yep. if you're playing somewhere where you're expecting CDJs and a DJM mixer to be there, double and triple check that that stuff's there, right. and even bring a backup solution. I was just getting ready to say the <laughs> the backup solution. You know, is 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 something 
that's a painful lesson that I've had to learn time and time and time again. Like it's something that's easier to preach about than to actually do. Well, too, yeah, absolutely. You know? And and fortunately, there's a lot of people that are receptive to um to advice like this. Like, mm. you know, when we're like, I mean, we, we get it all the time, you know, when, when people are writing in and, and thanking us for, you know, everything that we talk about and the things that, you know, we've experienced, you know, we've actually gotten feedback from a lot of, uh, of you guys that are listening that, you know, say, man, this thing that you guys talked about, you know, I experienced that, but because you said this, it helped me to respond in this way rather than experience the, what it is, you know, whatever it is that you guys experienced, you know, and last night, a podcast saved my life. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. You know, and, um, but yeah, I mean, and, 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 you know, money being no object, I mean, it'd be great if everybody had two laptops and two, sure. you know, two uh, physical pieces of every hardware that you have and backup libraries of everything. But, you know, money is an object and yeah. not everybody can afford to duplicate pieces of their of their setup and their gear and stuff. But I'll tell you, even if I were touring, like even on a moderate level, I would be doing that. Oh, absolutely. I would bring yeah. two laptops or two whatevers. And, and ensure and, it all. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yep. Um, but you know, because I'm not going to be caught in in Chicago or somewhere and be like, uh, "Whoops, I guess we cancel." Right. You know. Right. But you know, going back to the preparedness, I mean, you know, for me, it, you know, a lot of my current preparedness is rooted in trying to be as flexible as possible, and mm. knowing that you know I have confidence in my skill to be able to play on CDJs or turntables or a controller or whatever. And on top of that, you know, always carrying, you know, a spare, my, my spare Serato box with me at all times, a laptop stand (laughs) wires and, you know, uh, extra USBs and, you know, and all that stuff. And that's been a a hard lesson to learn. I mean, even in the last year, I've had a year, year and a half, I've had a few gigs that have just gone completely south because I deviated from, you know, that that protocol or, you know, some of my current protocol has been from those recent experiences. Oh yeah. Guilty myself. We've, we've told a few stories recently about this. Exactly. Exactly. And, and I think that, uh, this is something that gets told to new DJs quite a bit, but I think it's something that seasoned DJs need to hear because, I think that once you've been doing this for a very long time, it's really easy to be like, well, I can play on CDJs, I can play on records, I can, whatever you got, I'll play on it, so whatever, I don't really care. Well, that's all fine and good, but if you can play on records, it doesn't mean shit if they don't have records or text (laughs) at the club or whatever, right? So it's the, the, okay, how do I cover all my bases to the point where if I can't play I can't be faulted for this. Right. right? Exactly. Exactly. Um, I also recommend, and I'll be interested to get your perspective on this trip being uh, an IT geek like I am. Mm -hmm. I recommend rebooting your laptop, but the day before. And instead of the day of, or especially at least not right before the gig or at the gig. And the reason for that is because sometimes you'll catch, you know, there was, I think it was Joey Santos from digital DJ tips posted mm-hmm. about this recently where he showed up at a gig and something was up and he rebooted his laptop and it was like, Oh, you want me to install these 15 updates? 
And so it just goes and does its thing. And he's like, ah, no! I got to start in like three minutes. What are you doing? You know? <laughs> so, you know, you don't want to run into that scenario, but it's not always that your laptop's going to get caught up and be busy. Yep. It could be that, you know, maybe you told it to run some updates before and you didn't realize it or something has changed or something's up right. and that reboot process happens and then something changes Yeah, and you don't want sudden software changes you know, when you're getting ready to perform. Absolutely. So if you do that, you know, well ahead of time, you know, I have a MacBook and I generally let it run all the time and I just close the lid and Macs handle that really well. Yeah. Some Windows PCs don't. I understand that. Yeah, exactly. Um, that, and, you know, being a PC user myself, um, that's just, and being, you know, uh, technical in nature, you know, as, as far as, you know, work and play. Um, but, that's one thing that I've just adopted into yeah. my life is that, you know, Windows updates are like the worst thing on the planet Earth. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's right up there with mayonnaise. Um, <laughs> Get out. Um, <laughs> of your house. Right. <laughs> um, but um, so just as a matter of practice, I never leave a computer or a laptop running. You know, if it's a if it's a Windows machine, when I'm done with it, I shut it down because most of the time those when those updates come through, it's while you're using it. And then it asks you if you want to install those updates when you go to shut down or or restart. Um, and then when we're talking about in context with my show laptop, you know, that I use for strictly for DJing, then if I know that some updates were applied or are being applied when I'm shutting down, then I will wait for it to shut down. Then I will immediately start it back up. Yeah. Even if I'm not going to use it because sure as all get out, if I leave it sit there, then I'll forget all about those updates that were applied. And then, yes, I'll grab my laptop, I go out somewhere, and then as soon as I start it up, well, then there's the application of those updates that have to happen yeah. on, the, on the reboot as well as the shutdown. Yeah, so in a case like that, it might make more sense to say, okay, the, the day of, but right. way early. Yeah. Yep. power it up, make sure everything's good and all that yep. kind of stuff. Exactly. Um, you know, in my case, like I said, I shut the lid and I open it and my and it'll stay like that for weeks at a time. Gotcha. And so I have a tendency to, I'm like, okay, this has been running for weeks at a time. I should probably reboot before a performance. <laughs> and I do that. And, but sometimes I don't always think like that's not always the best thing to do like five minutes before, you know. <laughs> Right. So right. I thought that was an interesting point when I saw that on Digital DJ Tips. I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll bring that up. Yeah. Um, and the you know kind of as a an aside to that, uh, I also highly recommend that you don't use a brand new like non stress tested laptop at right. a performance. So yeah. obviously you have to start using it at some point, but you know don't take the plastic off and go out and expect everything to work. I don't care if you've got you know. 64 gigs of RAM and, and you know, mm -hmm. like the best specs available and all that kind of stuff. Right. Right. It doesn't matter because, you know, computers are finicky devices and you never know what's going to happen. It's not always because your machine wasn't fast enough. Right. You know, there's something right. else that might be going on. It could be a configuration, configuration issue. Exactly. There could be a driver conflict for this new hardware that you just got. Right. Uh, it might not be compatible with your DJ software and so on and so on. And it doesn't always have to be something 
as far as new hardware, it could be existing hardware. Mm -hmm. Don't ever, ever update your drivers or firmware for anything the day of or the day before a show. Unless you've got, unless it's like the day before and you've got 10 or 12 hours to play around with it, you know, before the show, Mm -hmm. you know, to make sure that everything is fine. But uh, as a general rule, I don't care if it pops up and says, "Hey, there's this new firmware update. There's this new thing." No, no, I'm good. I'll, I'll we'll hit talk you up. later. Right? I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll hit you on Sunday. <laughs> right. Um, the other thing I recommend to do is to play a brief set the day before on your rig on yep. everything that you're planning on using at the gig. Yeah. Um, you know, just make sure that everything's functioning properly. There are no laptop glitches or whatever, you know, problems with your controller or anything like that. Yep. And what I used to do is I would actually, well, we should probably talk about this the day of, but I would actually put everything together, set it all up, play a set, tear it all down and pack it up. Mm-hmm. Um, just so that it's like, okay, I've, I've laid eyes on every adapter, every cable, everything that I'm going to need to bring. Yeah. You know, so just making sure, but th- the idea of actually playing a set is so that you can make sure that there's not you're not going to be surprised by anything. Now you don't have to play for a couple hours or anything. Right. You know, right. maybe half an hour. Make sure that you know you're not getting weird stutters for some reason or or anything like that. Yep. Um, and then of course the day before, make sure that you promote the show right. on social media. Yep. Um, probably like one time on Facebook. You know, don't get crazy about it. <laughs> and uh, it unless always you're make, create- it always makes me laugh when I see like in the groups. You know, because, I mean, uh, I'm sure you are as well, but, like, you know, I'm involved in, like, or I'm a member of, like, 50-something, you know, DJ-related groups or scene-related groups, <laughs> and you always know those people that are, like, evangelical about, yeah, you know, yeah. what they're what they're trying to push or what they're trying to do because one person posted in group one, posted in group two, posted in group three, posted in group four. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I mean... Yeah, I mean, when you're hitting different groups, I mean that, it, but it always just strikes me as funny because it's yeah. always the, the the same people that just go and at one time just canvas everything. At yeah, and, and to that point, like I, I want to do an episode about this as well about right. like social media promotion for DJs yeah, in yeah. general. But um, I I tend to try to like so I'm in a position where people and I'm sure you are as well. People will send me direct messages like. Hey, can you promote the Friday show? Yes. Can you promote whatever this right, is? You know, right. especially when you start to build an audience and they see that you have an audience. Right. Um, and so, you know, I have to be very choosy about that, obviously, or I'm just going to be that guy that spams everybody. Exactly. Um, you have to worry about that for your own shows as well. You don't want to be that guy that's just blasting stuff out all day long. Right. Um, so I try to really just, I mean, it goes a really a long way to take two minutes and really sit and think about how you can make that an interesting post. Right. You know, right. so, you know, find a picture that's relevant, you know, write two or three sentences, write a story that relates to the headliner or whatever right. it is and just make it interesting, make it something that somebody would want to read because nobody right. gives a crap about your event, you know, event invite popping up over and over again. Exactly. But if you associate it with a story, you make it sound interesting. Uh, then people will really engage with it, and Facebook rewards you for that engagement. Mm-hmm. You know, that, the literal engagement, what they call engagement, yeah. for people liking, sharing, commenting. Right. The, the more that that algorithm reach. is is uh, put to use, the more traffic yes. it actually it, like 
you know, like it or love it. They've got, they've got that whole thing, you know, yeah. not, I don't want to say rigged, but there's definitely a system to it. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and, and they will punish you basically for, if you just, if you're post a that link 10 times. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yep. So make it interesting. So there, there are ways to promote the show more times than once a day, even mm-hmm. if you make it interesting. Right. right? And uh, somebody who I really want to get on the show soon, our friend Mike Donovan, who throws mm. the volume Deep House Fridays yeah, here in yeah. Dayton, is great at this. Yes. He finds, uh, you know, he has like a, a monthly-ish uh, Deep House show. He brings in a headliner, and then throughout the entire month he's promoting it, but he's always posting, uh, here's a recent set from this person and why you should listen to it. He creates custom graphics two weeks away, one yeah. week away, right. tomorrow, tonight, but they're all just beautiful graphics that are eye, you know, visually appealing. What I really also like about Mike, and I mean, you know, not to not to dive too far into into that. Like you said, let's bring him on the show so that we can really get into those details. But one thing I really love about Mike and the way he promotes that show is that it's not just about the headliner. Like, yes. Like, even if it's a headliner you don't know, like, even, you know, even if you like House or Deep House, then, like, you know, you may not know who these headliners are that he's bringing in. I mean, some of them, I mean, are big names. Like, you, you, you must be under a rock if you don't know who some of these people are. But others, you know, it's like a DJ's DJ or a yeah. DJ's producer. Or a local. Right. So... You know, the, what he does, though, is he, like, puts together, like you said, those custom graphics, which he's excellent at. Like, he's great at branding. He's responsible for passionate DJs look. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yep, yep, yep. So, like, you know, when it comes to logos and the use of color and graphic design, he's he's an ace at it. But on top of that, he tells a story about mm-hmm. not just the headliner. So, like, if it is a, a lesser-known headliner... Like he'll tell a story. He'll educate the people that he's trying to get to come to the party. Like here's something about this person. Yes. You know, and their accomplishments and who they are and why you should come to this show to see them. But then here he does the same thing for the locals and regionals that he pulls in. Yeah. You know, because yeah, we all know each other, but you know, there's at least at our level, you know, as far as the DJs are concerned, but not everybody who comes to a party knows us at that level or on a personal level. So while they may see our names on 10 other shows in the last, you know, six months, they, they don't know anything about us and they may not have seen any of our other shows, but they see the name keep popping up. Well, what do you know about that person? And he really does try to, you know, uh, big up, you yeah, know, the, yeah. the people that are there to support that night and, and to be an integral part of that show. Yeah. So in, in my case, I, I had the honor of opening for Miguel Miggs early this year at a volume show. Yeah. Very cool. Uh, thanks to Mike. And he, he made a picture, you know, for each of the artists, like you said, and he created one for me and it was something that he, you know, he'll ask or he'll just go find one. It's of me playing and then he'll, he'll brand it around with his colors for that show and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff and put some little logos and stuff on it. But then he, like you said, he, he wrote out like David Michael does this. Here's the kind of stuff he plays. He talked about passionate DJ and what's important to me and right. just really made it interesting. Yeah. And that's so cool because that means now it, this is a lot of work to promote this way. Absolutely, but that means he can get away with 
what would otherwise be spamming the shit out of people. Right, <laughs> right, right. Like, because it's interesting. Like, not only do we not mind, we look forward to it. Yeah. yeah. Like, when I see something and I recognize it as one of his graphics, I pay attention. Absolutely. And so, even if it's somebody I've never heard of before, I'll stop, I'll look at it, and, and it's it. keeping yep. that event in my head. Yep. So, uh, Mike, come on the show. We want to talk to you about that, for sure. Yeah. Um, all right, so let's move on to the day of the gig. Okay. Uh, Obviously, promote it again once, maybe twice on Facebook. Okay, I'd like to do one in the morning and then one right before before I leave. Yep, (laughs) that's how I do it. Yep. Um, Obviously, set up and test your entire rig. We kind of brought that up earlier. Uh, I'd really recommend that, and not only to make sure that everything's working properly, but that you have everything you need because there's nothing worse than like, oh, I forgot my headphones adapter, and now I can't plug it in, and that messes up everything. Right. And, you know, I've been in situations where that's happened. I've been away from home, and I'm begging people for it because there's nowhere to go at 10 o'clock on a Saturday night <laughs> to go. You know, I can't go to Radio Shack and just buy that right, right. necessarily. So, right. yeah, that's that's the worst. So just trying to avoid that. And then doing your last-minute uh playing or track consideration, you know, I'm not saying don't play at all at home before a gig, but if you're going to do that, um, what I like to do is do that in a way that puts me in the right headspace for the show. Exactly. As opposed to I'm gridding tracks, I'm prepping, I'm setting key yeah. points, no, and I'm, I'm deciding I'm on my set. Absolutely and, with you. My wife will tell you that, um, you know, that's that's part of my, my pre-show, like, Ritual. Ritual, (laughs) yeah. Like, I don't ever, like, play exactly what I'm going to go play. Like, but I will open everything up and, and, um, and get into those crates that I've prepared, you know, whether it's 20, 30, 40 tracks, whatever, and I'll just start jamming. Like, you know, I'll just randomly pick one and then just start and then just start going out from there. And I might do that for 20 minutes. I might do it for 45. I might do it for an hour and a half if I've got enough time. Um, I rarely have enough time for that. But, you know, just to get in that headspace. And then once I get there, I may not play any of the tracks that I played at home before the show. But But the interesting thing is you you might have otherwise if you hadn't done that. Right. And you might have gotten there and realized, eh, this isn't doing what I really thought. <laughs> yeah. You know, and yep. sometimes even though it, that can work both ways too, where you're, if you play earlier in the day and then you're kind of like, oh, I'm totally playing like this tonight. <laughs> and so you don't want to force that obviously, right. but right. Um, yeah, it does. It just helps with the context. If you're, you're just listening to the music, you're not getting too technical and, yeah, and exactly. preparatory with it all. Yep. Um, as far as packing your gear and your bag, um, obviously a really good idea is to have either a hard copy checklist of everything that you pack um, or you know there are apps for that, you know, checklist apps for your phone or whatever, however you yeah. want to do that, yeah. uh, just to make sure that if, there's, if you basically play on the same rig every time and the same backup items and all the stuff that you want to bring... Um, it's hard to miss, you know, if you're checking them all off, it's hard to miss something. And that gives you a kind of a warm fuzzy so that you're not having anxiety about, did I really, really bring everything? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Uh, So yeah, definitely double and triple check all that stuff. I also recommend bringing your own power supply to to every gig I do. Oh, like a six-way power strip. strip, I mean, yeah. Uh, Just because you can use that, even if there are plenty of, of plugs because mm-hmm. you can kind of use it as a what I call a breakaway box. 
So a lot of shows that I play, it's like I want to get my stuff out of the way or I need to get my stuff out of the way before the headliner or whoever's following me. Mm. Um, and I really, really hate poking around with my hands mm. around other people's gear sure. and the house set up and all that stuff. And if, if you don't want everything consolidated to your one power strip, all you got is yep. one plug to pull. You have one plug and then anything else. That's the only one I have to have anxiety about pulling. All <laughs> <laughs> right. And it's a bright white cord and it says David Michael in all caps on marker on it. And I, you can't miss it. Right. Okay. I unplug that and then everything else I can just, just pull out and it's sure, fine. Sure. But if I'm over there like, oh, is this really my controller's power supply? <laughs> is this my laptop or Tony's laptop? Is it, you know? Yeah. Then you don't have to worry about all that. That's so, a good point. I'm, yeah. I'm going to have to. I've made that a habit. I'm going to have to integrate that into my bag. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I never even thought of it that way. It's super handy because sometimes yeah. all that stuff just gets into that whole rat nest yeah, of, of yeah. cables. And that I can just yank the one and then kind of scoot it over and then deal with the rest. And then I'm out of the way. Right. It's right. done. Very so cool. I'm, I'm only in the way for 10 seconds instead of carefully, meticulously poking around while he's trying to perform or right. whatever. See, folks, even I can learn something <laughs> <laughs> from our own he show. Can be taught. <laughs> um, and then the other uh, small tip I put in there is just to uh, put any kind of tiny items or distracting things like lighters, batteries, business cards, anything like that. Put those in the front pockets or smaller pockets of your bag so that it's not in the mix with everything else, right. distracting you from what you need. Yeah. So just you can get in, grab it, and get out. You're not fumbling around. Right. Uh, obviously, we talked about bringing a backup solution as well. That right. can be, you know, if you if you play on a Pioneer setup, maybe that's just, hey, I have my DDJSZ, but I also have my record box library exported to a couple of thumb USB drives. USB drives, yeah. Or whatever that solution is, if, if you're sure that it will work at the venue to have that backup, right. I would definitely bring that. Yeah. Um, just uh, personal insurance. You know. yep. um, also, eat, dummy. <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget to eat before that show. I can't think of how many times where I just get all caught up in it and stuff, and then I show up, and the whole time, I'm doing it right now. I didn't eat before I came here to record. <laughs> My stomach's growling, and it's distracting, and you're up there, and it, and especially if you if you drink while you DJ you oh, might yeah. find yourself a little sloppy Woo. faster than you realize right so <laughs> no doubt um, uh, I recommend arriving early we've talked about this before right um, this and we're not the only ones yeah. that, that have uh, uh, said that I mean anybody anybody who's ever had that discussion about uh, uh, being able to like take inventory of the crowd and and get a general feel for what the vibe of the room is and where you are are going to fall in the yeah. in the in the ebb and flow of the attitude and the experience of the night you know showing up early even if it's just an hour like i mean just you know that's what i generally try to shoot for yeah. you know is at least an hour earlier than what i'm going to play and um you know, you can usually at least, you know, get a feel for where you're going to be sitting. Now, I mean, the earlier you get there, the better you can, you know, intuitively, you know, yeah. it, because then you're not just showing up and trying to analyze it. You're a part of it. Yes, exactly. So, um, and I think sometimes, like, I, I don't really think about it till after I say it. But when I talk about this point about arriving early, like, it's not necessarily that you're going to show up 
and like get super analytical and take a bunch right. of notes right. and when people watch. And yeah, you know, no, like, no. But the difference, like showing up an hour beforehand and knowing what happened in that hour is incredibly revealing and not for any super complicated reason. Right. It's, you know, if you know that there was a packed crowd at 11 and then something changed by 1130, if you can pinpoint what that is, that's good data. Right. But <laughs> if you show know. up at 1157 and start at 1201, right. then you, you have no context to, no context to yeah. anything. You're, you're flying blind. Yep, absolutely. For DJs who use laptops, I try to remember to disable my Wi-Fi and possibly Bluetooth. Yeah. Uh, just because it's, you know, one of those things that it's, if you've got a Wi-Fi connection, it's constantly looking for Wi-Fi connections, right? Yep. And it's kind of searching out. And I just don't like my laptop doing anything it's not supposed to be doing when I'm performing. And same goes for Bluetooth. And, you know, it's not like I'm afraid of getting hacked while I'm up there on the DJ booth or right. anything like that. But it's, you know, anything that uh, my laptop doesn't have to be doing, wasting CPU cycles or anything, the right. better. Right. And some people's, you know, mine's been pretty good about it, but I never want to test it live, you know. Right, exactly. Some people's laptops, when they, you know, something tries to connect to it or anything happens, it might be enough to give a little audio stutter if you're mixing four decks and some effects and, you know. Right, so. Right. Why have that as as a problem? Just disable it and, and be done don't have it. to worry about it. And yeah. then it won't also won't try to be like, hey, I've got thirteen updates. You want me to install <laughs> now and pop up on the screen? <laughs> well, uh, right, um, yeah, because there's nothing more annoying, at least as a Windows user, than oh. Windows now needs to update. Do you want to do it now or do you want to postpone for 10 minutes? <laughs> 10 minutes later, do you want to postpone for 10 more minutes? Right. No, I want to postpone for four hours. And then for whatever reason, Windows still finds a reason that you need to restart even though you told them I don't want to do it for four hours. <laughs> like it just, that whole thing. Oh, God. Yeah. Bane of my existence. But. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, just as a quick reminder, while you're at the gig, bef um, if you are sort of trying to you know, build your personal brand and that kind of stuff, try to remember to do some kind of social media interaction from the gig itself. You know, right. Obviously, same thing, don't go overboard, don't start going spam crazy and stuff, right. and right. spread this out across whatever channels you have. But um, you know, taking pictures of things that are really interesting that are happening, uh, crowd photos, Anything like that that makes it look interesting and then say something positive about the night, like uh, Trip Turlington's killing it tonight or yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, something like that. And you can get away with doing that a little more if you're posting it in the event page on Facebook mm -hmm. or somewhere where those are the people that are going to see it because they're doing it too. Right, right. You know, and, and as opposed to just blasting it all over your wall or and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, that doesn't mean try to have your phone out the whole time, you know, engage with the actual <laughs> night that's happening in front of you. But that's something that, you know, for somebody like me, I always am trying to do that and I always forget. I get caught up in the moment. And so uh, trying to get a picture, I try to do stuff like that for other people's shows as well. So like, for instance, Mike's Deep House shows, yeah. you know, snap a picture, this person's killing it or this person's really bringing a new flavor to this night or whatever right, it is and right. try to help you know build that night together yep. um and then of course the final thing to make sure that you do is to scan the booth when you're leaving scan the floor make sure you have everything that you brought and that you need 
Um, and this is especially important if this is a kind of a stage where you won't have easy access to that later. So if you say you're warming up for a headliner, they've got a big production up there, and then you forget or something a up writer there. or a writer that says nobody can be on the exactly. stage while I'm on the stage. Yeah, yep. yeah. Then sure. you're just I guess you're riding it out. You're just gonna have to chill for a while. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I've actually had that happen. Yeah. Um, and then of course just a couple points for the day after the gig. You know, once again that social interaction. Yeah. This is just this is the. This is where we are now. Yeah. The social media thing is the easiest way to access all of our friends and kind of, you know, doing a recap of that night. Right. If you do it the next day, once again, in an interesting way, include some unique picture or some story about the night or something and thanking everybody, not just awesome time, thanks, post a link, you know. Right. Um, well, really and, goes a long way. And, and being uh, targeted in, in, and more personal. Um, yes, because like it's one thing that as as a former promoter uh, and 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 knowing some promoters, I know that one thing that is always appreciated is any attention, any positive attention uh, that is brought to an event that just ended. Yeah. So yes, it was a great night great pictures, you know, and all of that stuff. I had a great time. Everybody else that was around me and, and, and these other DJs that I shared the stage with. Yeah. We all had a great time and, and great music. Great time was had by all to, yeah. you know, quote a cliche. Um, but to go a step further and take that extra time to send a direct message or a text or a call to the person that you that booked you yes and say hey thank you so much i had a great time this you know i you know if there's ever anything that i can do to help you with your uh future endeavors or if you're ever you know interested in me playing again you know i would be more than interested you know you know however you want to word it but just take that extra step and show that appreciation directly to the person yes. that you had that tra that business transaction with. And directly is the key too yeah. because I, I think that that goes such a long way and it's so underutilized right. because a lot of people will get on they'll reply to you know if the promoter or the venue or somebody posts a thank you like that right. and be like hey thanks had a great time as a comment or something like yeah. that yeah. that is not the same as privately sending a message, right. sending a text, or if you're, you, you know, really want to do it right, a phone call, right. something like that, right. and thanking them um, or giving any kind of feedback, you know, back to them, you know, having that personal interaction with them is going to stick in their mind. Absolutely. As opposed to a, a Facebook comment. Yep, yep. Um, and then, you know, that day after social interaction also gives you a few opportunities. You could link your next show in there, you yep. know, if it's appropriate, sure. you know, it's, you don't want to like cross any streams, of, you know, if you have promoters <laughs> that don't get along or something <laughs> right. like that. But, right. um, and then you can, you know, it's an also an opportunity for you to be able to appropriately tag friends in that, that maybe you saw there or uh, that did something funny at the show or played a great set or whatever it was, you can tag people in that as part of that post and then they might share it as well. 
um, or at least will like it and comment on it and stuff. And then that builds your, uh, increases your Facebook reach as well. And then more people see it, they might see that next link for your next show and so on. Right. So, um, and then just double checking your bag because now is not the time to discover <laughs> that you left something there. So the day after, yep. check and triple check because there's, there have been items that I lost that I didn't realize it yep. until, you know, before the next show or something like that. Yep. And, and that's awful. And by then it's usually gone. Yeah, by then it is definitely gone. Yeah. At least if it's the day after and it's something like, you know, uh, Case in point, you know, like record needles, you know, where, you know, the one one DJ playing after me, hey, do you mind if I use your needles too? Yeah, sure, no problem. And then at the end of the night, one needle made it into its case and the other one was still left on the turntable, you know, but yeah. when I came up to the stage to grab my stuff, you know, I just, I'm grabbing cases. Okay. <laughs> yeah, fine. And then, you know, next day I'm emailing the promoter. Hey, do you, or calling the promoter? Hey, do you know, uh, whose turntables those were? And then, you know, yeah. trying to track down the, the, the tree, you know, because if I waited until the next show and then, Oh, or, or, you know, get home and, and I don't, you know, hook up my, my needles for another week or two. And then all of a sudden I'm like looking around, Oh crap, where's that needle? And then trying to track it down. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I I don't think I've ever had any luck maybe once tracking something down like further than the day after. (laughs) (laughs) We have a local place here. We play frequently therapy and I've, I've, I must've donated like (laughs) at least a few hundred dollars to the scene over time. Right. But if I if I come back right away, I can usually find it. If right. not, it's gone, and it's not any one person's fault. Fault, right? right you know, right. it's just there's a lot to keep track of up Absolutely. there, and it's nobody else's responsibility but mine That's to right. keep track of that That's stuff. That's right. That's so. right. Yeah, I'm still looking for half a dozen sweatshirts from raves in the late '90s and <laughs> early 2000s. I <laughs> not that they would fit me anymore anyway. But <laughs> they were great sweatshirts. <laughs> All right, so that's all I have for gig preparedness. Did you have any final tips you wanted to toss uh, in there? No, I think we pretty much covered the gamut. I think just, uh, you know, the, the big thing is, you know, the, the better prepared that you are, the less chance there is for a disaster, you know. Definitely. And if you guys have any stories about this where you've been caught kind of with your pants down, we would <laughs> love to hear about it. Um, and we would also love to know maybe if you have any kind of pre-gig rituals or anything that you do, uh, procedures or, or anything that gets you ready for a gig, let us know. Leave us a voicemail. You can go to passionatedj.com and click the voicemail button, or you can go to the show notes for this episode and leave a comment. We would love to hear your stories. Thank you guys and take care. Easy. Thanks for listening to the Passionate DJ Podcast at www.passionatedj.com. Check out the fan page at facebook.com slash passionatedj or on Twitter at DJ with Passion. And always remember to keep on spinning. I need you. I want you. Live from Trip Turlington's house. It's <laughs> Sunday morning. <afternoon. laughs> Biscuits and gravy. <laughs>